Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. So the race for president is heating up. All right. Not everybody's gotten into the race yet, but you know a lot of people are going to get into the race because President Trump has not scared anybody out of the race. Nikki Haley, not scared out of the race. People think that they can scare Ron DeSantis out of the race. I don't believe that to be true. I don't believe that to be possible. And the people saying, like Sarah Palin is saying, now's not the right time for Ron DeSantis to run. No part of that is true. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today, good to be with you. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. TonyKatz.Locals.com. Getting into this race, Vivek Ramaswamy. I'm sorry, who? I said Vivek Ramaswamy. Principles that bind us all under the same rules. Exactly. I mean, we are in the middle of this national identity crisis, Tucker, where we have celebrated our diversity and our differences for so long that we forgot all of the ways we're really just the same as Americans bound by a common set of ideals that set this nation into motion 250 years ago. And that's why I'm proud to say tonight that I am running for United States president to revive those ideals in this country, those basic rules of the road, meritocracy, the idea that you get ahead in this country, not on the color of your skin, but on the content of your character. The idea that you are allowed to speak freely, yes, to be wrong sometimes, as long as your neighbor gets the same courtesy in return. The idea that the people who we elect to run the government, by the way, are the people who actually run the government. Basic rules of the road. These are the things that bind us together. You and I have different shades of melanin. You know what I say? So what? That's not beautiful. That is not our strength. Our diversity is meaningless if there's nothing greater that binds us together across that diversity. And the reason that I'm running for president is to revive those ideals. And I believe deep in my bones, they still exist, that most Americans still believe in them. But we need to rediscover that. And the only way we can do it is by start to talking openly, start talking openly again. So that's Vivek Ramaswamy doing that right there on Tucker Carlson's show. You might not be familiar with the man. I'm familiar with him because I pay attention to the ESG conversations. I'm paying attention to what's happening When it comes to, well, how are we told we have to invest in America? Basically, ESG, environmental social governance, is engaging the same thing as a social credit score in China. You have to believe in these things. You have to do these things with your company. It's not saying it has to make your company any better. Otherwise, you don't get those institutional dollars. Vivek started Rovient or Royvent Services. That's it a biopharmaceutical uh, company. He's currently the co-founder of Strive Asset Management. Uh, He's the author of Woke Incorporated Inside Corporate America's Social Justice Scam, which is, of course, involving all this conversation of ESG. Um, He's uh, done well. He has done well. Um, He has uh, definitely been opposed to the idea of being woke. He's 37. I have heard him speak, and uh, he gave a very, very good talk very very good uh speech his parents uh immigrated from uh, india his father uh, an engineer uh his mother a geriatric psychiatrist comes from a family of overachievers is what he does and he has well very well achieved the idea that he's going to be elected though well that's very very tiny indeed 
That is very, very tiny indeed. What I like is that he's running. Now, there is, if, if you want to hear the negative uh, on, on him, uh, there is a question of whether or not everything he says is nothing more than a scam and get people to, to buy his books, etc. Et, et I don't know. I think you could say that about anyone, anywhere, at any time. Is Bernie Sanders engaged in a scam to get people to hate capitalism? And, you know, that's that's his, his, his thing. That's just his shtick. He doesn't actually care. After all, if he was opposed to capitalism, why would he go give speeches about his book, It's Okay to Be Angry About Capitalism, utilizing Ticketmasters to sell tickets at $95 a pop so people can see him lambaste capitalism? I guess you can go about making that claim. Uh, now, by the way, I think Bernie Sanders is a true believer and hates capitalism and hates the American way of life. And I think that's one of the reasons why he should be completely dismissed from, from uh, you know, civil society. He's a commie. I'm sorry, commies don't get a seat at the table. They're commies. F these people. There we go. So why is Vivek running? And, and what are we supposed to take from it? I start with where I started. Donald Trump has not scared anybody out of running. Not a soul. And that's a really important thing to note, especially for the people who are the hardened Trump supporters. Not that you shouldn't be, not that you can't be, and not that I oppose you being it. But note that the idea that there's only one guy who can do this, there's only one person for America, and anybody else is unacceptable, that isn't the way all Americans see it. And if you want to now push, only Trump can do this, well, that's idol worship. If that's the argument you want to make, you're more than welcome to. As opposed to, this is the right person for the job, I still think it's Trump. But if Ron DeSantis got the nomination, I'd vote for him. Now, there are Republicans who, if they got the nomination, I'm not sure what I'd do. I'd take a strong look at the Libertarians. I am not going to listen to um, Alyssa Farah over there at The View while she's on CNN try and explain to me how Larry Hogan and Chris Sununu are the only real conservatives so far in this race, and neither one of them has announced, by the way, Chris Sununu is the governor of, of New Hampshire. And I'm not anti-Chris Sununu. Here he was on Fox News the other day. The race for president hasn't really started. No one's really thinking that way yet. Remember, we're just coming out of November of 22, and you and I are in this world. We're talking about it all the time. But the average American, they're just dealing with inflation. They're dealing with how, how high housing prices, record debt uh, and, and, uh, at, uh, at the household level. So people aren't really thinking there yet. And look, my message to president, about President Trump is we thank you for your service. Great, but we're moving on. Americans are not in the mode of just settling. Right. We're never going to say that the next the best opportunity for tomorrow's leadership is yesterday's leadership. We want the next generation. We want the next big idea. We want the next piece of technology. All of them, whether it's him, Nikki Haley, you heard this from Sarah Huckabee Sanders, all, all talking about what's next. New generation, younger, this, that, uh, the other. And I understand that there are people who like uh, won't uh, allow that to be a conversation piece and are on the full on attack. When you engage that conversation, I mean, you heard from Whoopi Goldberg, right? You heard from Whoopi Goldberg, who decided to go after 
Nikki Haley about her age, and it was a series of people talking about we need a younger, newer generation. Gen Z and millennials make up about a third of the country, but we're nowhere near a third of the government and think we need a government that needs to look like the country. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. The Washington establishment has failed us over and over and over again. It's time for a new generation of leadership. You're not a new generation. You're 51. What are you talking about? That's the same exact conversation Don Lemon had, right? But nothing will happen to Whoopi Goldberg, which is why, and I, and I put this out on social media, uh, on Twitter, at Tony Katz on Twitter, that uh, this whole thing about um, Don Lemon and going after Don Lemon, this is not, this attack is, isn't really fair. Because uh, the reason Don Lemon got suspended is because CNN is trying to show him the door. And CNN is going through all the steps Don Lemon was back on his show today. They don't want him there. They got, they took his nighttime show away from him. They put him in a morning show he doesn't want to do with people he doesn't respect and doesn't like, never mind not liking the audience. And so when he said about, about Nikki Haley, she's not in her prime, she's 51, well, it was this mass overreaction to it. The truth is CNN saw it as an opportunity. To further diminish him, I believe, to get him out the door. There's no way they could be happy with him in this morning show. There's no way they're happy with this morning show. There's no way Chris Lick, the CEO, thinks this is a good idea. It was a stopgap as they're trying to redo the entirety of the network. Because Whoopi Goldberg didn't say anything different, and nothing's going to happen to Whoopi Goldberg. But they are offended by this idea. They're talking about new generation. Just in terms of definition, if a generation is every 20 years and she's 51 and, and Trump is 75, 76, and Biden is 182, it's a different generation. Just by definition, just want to put that out there, just want to make that clear as day. There is this real push to say, look, there's a difference. Look, there's a separation. Look, there's this. Look, there's that. I don't mind that. There is no fear of Trump. That much is obvious. Does that mean Trump is absolutely not going to get the nomination? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Trump could easily get the nomination. It's just that if he thinks he's going to be able to walk into it or if his supporters think they're going to be able to walk into it, they're wrong. Ain't nobody afraid. If people were afraid, why would Vivek get into the race? Well, Vivek has nothing to lose. He's got all the money. He's got a base. He gets to increase his, his Q rating. He gets to increase his, his exposure. Might as well. Well, that's correct. That is accurate. You know who else had that same exact theory? Nikki Haley. You know who else is going to have that same exact theory? Mike Pence. You know who else? Mike Pompeo. You know who else? Anybody else who wants to get into this race. You can apply it anywhere. Therefore, we're in for a lot. We're in for a lot of people uh, jumping in. Do I think Larry Hogan, the former governor of Maryland, and Chris Sununu, the current governor of New Hampshire, get in this race? Hogan, yes. Sununu, I'm on the fence. I could see it going both both ways uh, on that one. And I'm not impressed with Larry Hogan. I, I, I a little bit like uh, Sununu just as an outsider. I haven't done enough digging to, to really tell you. It's going to be a big field. It's going to be a crowded field. The difference is these people know better how to deal with Trump. They know better how to fight the fight. Will they be successful? Oh, hell if I know. 
But none of the outside noise, the Whoopi Goldbergs, the MSNBCs, none of that matters. This is about what the political right wants. And what they want, seemingly, based on what we're seeing, is a whole bunch of choices. I don't know if it's true, but that's what it looks like. Ain't nobody afraid of getting in this race. It's going to make it very interesting. I'm Tony Katz. Did you personally want to hear from the former president? I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Holy crap. I don't know whether that's the most honest thing in the world, the most relatable thing in the world, or the most criminally insane thing in the world that is nuts that is one of the jurors on the grand jury there the georgia case did trump interfere with the election giving an interview about well golly jeepers i really wanted to subpoena him so i could have a minute with him and swear him in because i thought it'd be super groovy i don't know if that's frightening like this is our justice system we are screwed Or that's quite simply the most amazing thing on planet Earth. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's good to be with you. Good Lord. I mean, uh, and and MSNBC did this interview, and it's it's a little off the rails nutty. I can see how trying to get the former president to come talk to us would have been a year in negotiation by itself. So it sounds like that was ultimately <laughs> a battle that you all decided not to wage. Exactly. That's, that's kind of how it ended up. Was that and I'd be fascinated by what he said, but do you think he would have come in and said anything groundbreaking or just the same kind of thing we've heard? So at some point you don't need to hear 50 people say the same thing. Mm. You know what I mean? At some point you kind of start to get the gist i i know people are like giving this all the derision in the world i i'm riveted i am riveted i do not know who this woman is if you told me she was 25 i'd be like you think she's that old like she she's a child she's an actual child i'm telling you it's un it's it's unreal it's unreal to hear her talk because people are are like oh this is an unserious person this person's gonna go after trump it's just a look it's everything set up against him and the fix is in maybe but she sounds like everybody she sounds like absolutely positively everybody she sounds like your neighbor I think that's what makes it so fascinating. And then Mike Pence, yeah, I've been talking about everybody running for president. I should have played this. Mike Pence on CNBC talking about DeSantis. And so people talk about cancel culture. Some people say, well, you know, they're canceling on one side. The other said, well, look, DeSantis used his political power to cancel them. 
Well, I, I would say to you two things. Number one is I fully supported uh, Florida's initiative to protect kids and protect parental rights. I was just in Iowa last week where literally there's a school, the Linmar Community School, uh, will allow a student right. to get a gender transition plan without parental notification or approval. Right. So we, I fully support what Florida did about protecting kids under the third grade. But I, I, I have concerns. Right. About I mean, the follow-on, look, Disney stepped into right. the fray. They lost. Uh, but then, they, but then the they idea of going after their taxing authority, right. I, I, you yeah. know, I, that was that was beyond the scope of what I, as a conservative, limited government Republican, would be prepared to do. That's Pence hitting on Ron DeSantis right there. By the way, you forget that Pence is so seasoned at this part of it. Remember, Pence was a radio host. Pence, uh, on WIBC, my home station, this is the show that Pence did. I am in a long line of people who have done this program in in terms of large scope and and everything else. So I've got a history with the man. You forget how, I mean, he's, he's got the jacket off, he's got the white shirt, the tie, just like everybody else, like he belongs there. Just being smooth, he has that skill set. Now, it doesn't mean he's going to win a primary. When he runs for president, he just has that skill set, and there he is taking the hit at, at DeSantis with a disagreement based on what what real conservatism is. Ooh. So I started by saying, ain't nobody afraid of Trump, and that's true. Here's Pence not afraid of DeSantis. They're going to do what they do. They're running for president. And that means be ready to fight. Which one of them will fight Joe Biden over this executive order regarding racial inequity? The further advancing racial equity and support for underserved communities. This executive order that Joe Biden is putting out into the world that it is to transform the federal government with prior executive orders and embedded a focus on equity into the fabric of federal policymaking and service delivery and the policy, and I'm quoting here, to advance an ambitious whole-of-government approach to racial equity and support for underserved communities and to continuously embed equity into all aspects of federal decision-making. Translation, we don't engage government of, by, and for the people. We engage social programs of, by, and for those people we feel really need it, and we make the other people pay for it, whether they like it or not. He is making the argument that the idea of a federal government of, by, and for the people is not where it's at. That's too bigoted. It has to be a government of purpose for specific people and specific programs at specific dollars, because otherwise, how else could you possibly have equity? And then you're going to have a White House steering committee on equity. You know who runs that? Susan Rice. That's right. From the Obama administration, Susan Rice. I don't mind Mike Pence saying something that he disagrees with with Ron DeSantis. There's nothing wrong with that. I will mind if all these people running for president don't keep their eyes on the prize. And that you are, are more interested in, you know, in hearing uh, Trump uh, give his testimony, which, all right, I admit, a lot of people would be fascinated by that. I think our bigger story and our bigger focus is the level of bigotry and the level of just trying to create equal outcomes that our federal government under Joe Biden is now trying to put forth what the progressives really want.
I mean, there's a great example of this with the BAFTAs, uh, which is the, the British uh, Academy Awards. I'll get into that in a second. Pay attention to this executive order. It is frightening and gross and wholly un-American. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Find everything, TonyKatz.Locals.com. The Supreme Court is making a lot of decisions. And some of those decisions that that they've made, they're going to make, will have real effect on us. We talk about the Section 230 conversation. They're hearing another case uh, today uh, about this. Man, that can have real ramifications. Or just hearing the case will have it. Not even a decision that they make. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. This is the conversation about whether or not Section 230 of the uh, Communications Decency Act uh, should be eradicated, should be changed, should be morphed. And this is the section that allows platforms to not be liable for what it is people post on their platform. The lawsuit at, at, at the first that made it to the Supreme Court, the one yesterday, Gonzalez versus Google, is about the idea that first you allow a video from ISIS to be posted to your platform. Okay, one could argue Section 230 shields YouTube from the culpability of that. But then it goes further and says your algorithm shared it. Is your algorithm really uh, covered by Section 230? That's a fantastic question, a fascinating one. The one today, Twitter versus Tamna is about this idea, again, of what is it that Twitter is responsible for, any platform for, when a a piece of data, content, a a figure, whatever the case may be, is posted. Both having to do with domestic terrorism, which is why the lawsuits have gone forward. They're both making the claim that people died because of what was posted on their platforms, and therefore they are culpable and responsible. The court, based on yesterday, uh, seemed to be shying away from the idea that they're going to get involved in this because they would argue that this is for Congress to rewrite the rules. And that's different than whether or not the rules are constitutional. And it's even different than whether or not the rules cover the, the use and the conversation in question. The court seems to be a little like, I don't know if we want to play this game. You heard the case. You're playing the game. So that's, that's, that's of course, a big story going on. But the other one is Tuesday, the Supreme Court decided uh, to say, no, we're not going to look at a challenge to Arkansas law requiring state government contractors to pledge not to boycott Israel And uh, this is a big, big victory for people who oppose BDS. So in 2018, BDS is Boycott, Divestment, Sanction. It's what anti-Semites do, saying don't invest in, in, in Israeli companies, sanction Israeli companies, boycott Israeli companies. So in 2018, the American Civil Liberties Union, that's the ACLU, which used to be about civil liberties, asked a judge to strike down a law on behalf of the Arkansas Times. This is a small little paper in, in Arkansas. It doesn't matter if it's paper, it's a paper. I don't care if they have three subscribers or they print three issues. It's freedom of the press. I'm down with that. They had signed an advertising contract with a technical college in the state. But in order to renew the contract, this little newspaper would have to sign a pledge not to boycott Israel. 
The statute only applies if certain conditions uh, were, were met. And what the newspaper argued was that the law is unconstitutional violation of freedom of speech because it imposes an ideological litmus test on government contractors. A district court judge dismissed the case in, new, in, in 2019, and the newspaper got success in front of the Eighth Circuit, which found the requirement unconstitutional. That was the three-judge panel. You can then go to an expanded, when you're ever dealing with these circuit uh, courts of appeal, the Eighth Circuit, the Ninth Circuit, the Fourth Circuit, whatever it may be, you can um, go from this three-judge panel, you can say, I want an en banc decision, E-N-B-A-N-C. That's the totality of the court. So the three-judge panel found it to be unconstitutional. The Eighth Circuit sitting en banc, the full Eighth Circuit reversed that panel's ruling. That is something. They sided with the argument and said, under Arkansas's canons of statutory interpretation, we think the Arkansas Supreme Court would read the law as prohibiting purely commercial, non-expressive conduct. The law does not ban the Arkansas Times from publicly criticizing Israel or even protesting the statue itself. It only prohibits economic decisions that discriminate against Israel. Because those commercial decisions are invisible to observers unless explained, they are not inherently expressive and do not implicate the First Amendment. Even I have issues with this. And let me tell you that BDS is bigotry. BDS is hate. Uh, abolishing BDS is the way to go. And anybody who would side with the idea of boycott, divestment, and sanction also sides with the idea of from the river to the sea, Palestine must be free, which is the call to genocide. From the river to the sea refers to pushing Jews into the ocean, removing them from Israel, thus genocide. It's really not a hard one uh, to, uh, to, to face. Eugene Volokh, who, um, the Volokh conspiracy, uh, fantastic, fantastic writer and, and, and legal mind, calls it, of course, something of a victory for the anti-BDS forces. However, there's a real question there about whether or not government can force others to go along with them. So I can't have your money as an as a advertiser unless I sign a pledge. Um, well, that's an interesting take. What if we played it another way? I can't be an advertiser unless I sign a pledge uh, to engage diversity, equity, and inclusion. Can that also happen? Because I would be opposed to that. So I take a look at this. I'm like, huh, what does this say to us about what's going on, about what we want from our government? Is this too much government getting involved in our lives? Now, of course, as the newspaper, I can decide not to be involved and then I can criticize, but I don't get the advertising dollar. So they hold the advertising dollar over my head. The idea in one situation I'd be totally fine with, in another situation I'd be totally opposed to it, but it's the same conversation. Different subjects, of course, but isn't it the same conversation? When states take on the mantle, or I shouldn't even say the mantle, but but the, the important conversation of saying we're not going to be a state that engages BDS, we're, we're not going to do it. We're not going to be okay with this anti-Semitism, with this hate. We don't want to be any part of it. I, I approve of such things. I applaud such things. I had not put into consideration, well, now we, 
we uh, require those who work with us to stay uh, to do the same and to and to and to say the same. I don't want to require the Arkansas Times, the small newspaper, no matter how small or even how large it is, to say we're also anti-BDS. They should be who they are, even if who they are are worthless Jew-hating bigots. And I'm not saying they are. They could simply be opposed to the idea that they have to sign a pledge in order to get uh, advertising dollars. And this is where I get myself into a little bit of, wait a second. If it was a private business that wanted to do this, man, no issue. When it's government, uh, there's an issue. There's an issue. Does government have the right to make claim or or, or make uh, impositions on ideology of the private sector? And in this case, uh, of the press. Well, no, Tony, they're not making it of the press because they're not requiring the press to write something specifically or to avoid something specifically. They're talking about just straight out advertising. They're only talking about being an advertising venue. You gotta be, you gotta be okay with this. Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with that? If it was DEI, in order to get advertising dollars from the state of, uh, let's say, my beloved Indiana, uh, you would ha- you have to have a full-on DEI program. What w- what would your re- response to that be? Are, are you nuts? Are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? That would probably be the response. That's what makes this kind of fascinating. Now, the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals is considering a challenge to Texas's anti-BDS law. So the Supreme Court could once again become involved in this. There's actually a good write-up about all of this uh, over there at National Review. The idea that I oppose BDS does not mean I support the idea of government involvement. If government wants to say, we're not going to pay any attention to BDS, just don't pay any attention to it. If they want to state via resolution that they oppose BDS, I have no problem with that either. I applaud that. I cheer that. But it's very interesting when you get into this idea of advertising. Very, very interesting stuff. Because we're asking ourselves a a different ethical question. Can government utilize tax dollars to be held over the heads of businesses they might do business with to join with them ideologically. Damn, that's something. And we should be clear that the Supreme Court didn't make a ruling here. They simply declined to hear the case. So it sits with the en banc of the Eighth Circuit. No decision, therefore, has really been made. No decision at all. Really, I'm sorry. It's kind of fascinating. And we're going to follow it and see what happens with Texas in the Fifth Circuit there. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today. Do not think that woke culture is solely and exclusively a product of of the United States. Oh, no, 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 no. It has taken hold worldwide, people. Uh, copyright Pitbull, all rights reserved. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. What is going on? 
Find everything, TonyCats.locals.com, TonyCats.locals.com, hashtag BAFTA's so white. Oh, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. What's the problem? Everybody who won was white. Wait, what are the BAFTAs? Okay, B-A-F-T-A. The BAFTA is the British version of the Oscars. That's what uh, the the BAFTAs are. The British Academy, what is it? The British Academy of Film and Television Arts, BAFTA. That's what it is. It is the British Oscars. And the British Oscars go on last night, and everybody, or the night before, everybody who won the British uh, Oscars, white. Yahoo News, BAFTAs criticized for all white winners. Vulture, all the 2023 BAFTA winners were white. BBC, BAFTA awards face backlash over all white winners. It ain't my fault that the Hollywood of the UK is a bunch of racist bigots. Why are you telling me all about this? Handle these people. Handle these people, I tell yous. But I think the bigger story here is look at what look at these complaints. How can you be good and decent if all the winners are white? That's what they're saying. That's what they're they're well, I shouldn't say mentioning. That's what they're screaming. You don't have anybody who was of a different color winning any awards. So therefore, how can you really be diverse? Now, if you want to argue that none of the nominees were of any color, I don't think that's the case here. The case here is that none of the winners, even though there were people of color, of color, who were nominated. So it's not enough that you ensure that nominations spread out. You have to ensure the winners spread out, which is to say we don't have winners. We just select people based on the color of their skin and we give them awards. That way we feel good about ourselves. That's how awful all of this is. And me not playing in it, I love the fact that they have to live in this awfulness. You figure it out. You figure out how your positioning is better. Your argument is... You have to have winners who look like this, this, and this. You have to have winners. You are telling us that in your conversation of equity, you rig the outcomes. You really want equality of outcomes. You do not want meritocracy, number one. You do not want people to vote with what they think is the best performance. Number two, you want to ensure you've got one of this and one of this and one of this and one of this and one of this. And you don't really need to have white people in that because after all, they win too many things. So goodbye, goodbye, goodbye. Doesn't matter if they put on a good performance. Doesn't matter if they made a good movie. Doesn't matter if they engaged solid production. None of that matters because what we're after is something completely different than saying good job this really was great we're not interested in that we don't care about the job done we care about the award given all right you're bigots you've explained to us with clarity the evil that is equity i'm so glad you did have i mentioned that we need to get rid of all diversity equity and inclusion in the united states Every, every uh, school has to get rid of its DEI officer. Every university has to get rid of its DEI officer. Every business, the state's gone. 
Equity is bigotry, pushing people down to the bottom. You want to actually engage changing outcomes to prove how good and decent you are. You're awful and you're terrible. I want no part of it. Oh, I love this Baptist fight. This Baptist fight is wonderful. Let these people engage in all of the hate. And picture what they're saying to anybody who won. You didn't win because you deserve it. You only won because of the color of your skin. And what we want to do is make sure that other people win only for the color of their skin. That's their argument. That is their argument. That's amazing. That's amazing. But it's a great example of how warped and diseased their worldview is, uh, the, these woke people, how, how ugly and despicable uh, they are and what it is that they uh, purport to care about, what they claim matters to them. Um, I want them to live in their hell. I just don't want to be a part of their hell. Do, do you see the difference? If this is the way they choose to live, if this is their, their hell loop, Okay, go live it. Go live in a world where you don't actually recognize people for what they've done. You only ensure that you've got a certain amount of this color, a certain amount of this sexuality, a certain amount of this, a certain amount of that, and, and others. Go about checking boxes your whole life. I, I only hope that you one day learn this is no way to live, and then you live a better way and you're out of the hell loop. But if you want to live in it, man, go live in it. Just don't drag me in. Don't, don't ask me to buy in. I can see from this that you're a bigot. I don't want any part of your bigotry. Your bigotry is nuts. You're ridiculous. I'm laughing at you from over here with my cigar in one hand and my bourbon in the other, laughing at your bigotry and really wishing for you that you get yourself out of the loop. But enjoy it, BAFTAs. Enjoy it, Hollywood. This is the world you created, the bigoted world you want. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. Today.